Well, we want to welcome everyone to Murrayville Baptist Church. If you're glad to be here this morning, I'm going to say a, hear a big amen. 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 Good to see all of you. Let's all stand. We're going to open our service in a word of prayer. Who, who would agree with me that we need the Lord to show up and meet with us today? Amen. amen. So I'm going to ask Brother Clay if he will to open us in prayer. Lord, as we come to you this morning, Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. You've been so good to us, so good to us this past week. Lord, all the blessings you've poured upon us, Lord, so undeserving of those. Lord, so grateful for all that you do for us. Lord, I just ask that you show up in this service in a big way. Lord, I ask that you move in this service. Without that, Lord, we'll just be here in vain. Lord, I ask that you give John the words that we need to hear. Lord, I ask you to be with the choir. Lord, bless this service. Bless the members of this church. Bless those who are watching at home. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remain standing. Page 154. 154.
with page 94.
got any tithes and offerings, go ahead and bring them up at this time. If you have any tithes and offerings, you can bring them at this time and give them. We appreciate all of you being here, especially our visitors to Merville Baptist. Thank you all for coming uh, to this place to worship the Lord and pray that you'll get something from Jesus while you're here. I need to make a few announcements. Uh, on Wednesday nights, we encourage everybody to come. We have, we have a youth program that we call Crusaders for Christ, and we, we work with our youth extensively in that regard but on wednesday nights we also have a bible study that i teach here in the auditorium and we're presently and we've just begun this we're going through the book of acts if if the book of acts confuses you or you don't understand it this will be a good time for you to come we're taking our time with it we're going through it little by little and trying to get as much out of it it's almost like every word of the book of acts is loaded with something, every word. And so we encourage you to come back on Wednesday nights uh, to study with us. On September the 10th, we'll be having a ladies' meeting in the fellowship hall. And then on the 24th will be a, a special day, church cleanup day. And I know every one of you will be here. And uh, I want to go ahead and thank y'all for coming and bringing your brooms and mops and all of that. Now, September 24th at 10 a.m. that morning, we're going to work on the, the uh, chairs and tables over in the fellowship hall. We ask everybody to come. We got a special announcement we need to make this morning. I was uh, right after morning devotion, I had a little one come up to me and uh, she had, her smile was bigger than she was and she needs to tell us something this morning. Y'all come on. Do you want to tell them or you want me to tell them? So uh, last night, uh, Liz has been asking for a while about uh, being saved. And she's been talking to me and Pam about it. And um, Pam actually spent a couple hours with her last night going through the Bible, telling her about it. And she says, you know, I just, I don't think I'm ready yet. Well, this morning, uh, she came in our bedroom and she says, Daddy, come with me, come with me. So me and her went outside to let the dogs out this morning. And we we're sitting on the front porch, and she said, 
Daddy, how do you get saved? And I told her, I, I said, well, you, you have to understand that you're a sinner when you get saved. And I says, you know, our God said God is a just God. And I said, just means fair. I said, God is fair. And I said, when, when we sin, I said, there has to be a punishment that's handed out. And I said, when we're saved, I said, we understand that Jesus, who never committed a sin, took that punishment yep. for us. Yep. And yep. I told her that, and she looked at me, and she said, Daddy, I got saved this morning. Uh, <laughs> and, and she had this huge smile on her face, and, and uh, I said, well, what happened? She says, well, I was on my knees in bed, and, and I asked God to save me. And she says, Daddy, I know I'm a sinner. She said, Daddy, I got saved this morning. Yep. So my daughter got saved this morning. So. Glory to God. She said she don't want me to baptize her. She's afraid that I'll hold her under too long.
I didn't even know Dr. Johnny Knight was in the midst of us. Hey, Brother Johnny, so good to see you, Brother. Ever since I met Brother Johnny, I love him. We just got along together so good. And uh, thankful that the Lord moved us up here so I could meet men like Brother Johnny Knight and his son, Brother Derek. I appreciate what that, that family stands for. They stand for Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, Brother Derek, you come on up, make your way on up here. Brother Derek's going to be preaching for us this morning. And uh, Liz, Liz, is she? Oh, okay. When she gets back, make sure that she writes this date down. Oh, you already did it. Amen. I remember, I remember the date. A lot of people don't. The date's not important. But if you remember it, it'll be a day that you'll always remember. Mine was November the 21st, 1982. And I've been back to the place, the exact spot where I got saved. It was on the front porch of a little church by the name of Morton Avenue Baptist Church. And uh, I was right in front of a, a wall plug that they had on the front porch. And uh, I wasn't plugged into the wall plug, but I got plugged into Jesus that night. And boy, it's been good ever since. And I knew that I knew that night my life was going to totally change. And I'm so thankful that the Lord saved me. So thankful. Whew. What would we do without him? Can I get a witness right there? What would we do without Jesus? Amen. Come on, Brother Derek. Well, I thank you, Brother John, for the opportunity to come. It's amazing how God works things out. I, I was actually already coming to Merrillville today, even before he asked me to come preach. So, if you will, be turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. If you will, stand with us just out of honor to God's Word. It says, Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 1. We're just going to read down through 15 for sake of time. It says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve disciples, He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in prison, the works of Christ, he sent two, uh, sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go, show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses." But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding 
he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent, is, uh, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the laws prophesied unto John, and if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Brother Warren Vickers, if you'll lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. I just love it when God confirms what you're supposed to preach. I mean, from the very beginning, when Brother Nathan was uh, teaching this morning in Sunday school about, uh, you know, who told you that? And then we got into the Sunday school hour where they were talking about the ministry. And then we come out here and we hear the songs of Zion and they're all lining up with the message. I just love how God confirms. And if you will, I just want to talk on this, mess, this point right here. In verse 6 it says, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. I'd like to preach on this uh, topic. Rest assured. Rest assured. Just think about those words, rest. That means... I ain't got no, I ain't got worries. I, I'm at complete rest. Nothing's troubling me. I've got rest. And you know what? Assured. Assured means I've got assurance. I know it. I know something about this. Now I want you to see something right here. If we look at verses 2 and 3 of this passage, it says, Now when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And if you look at this, I'm just going to be honest. I've been facing some stuff in my life recently. And I ain't going to lie. My faith has been rocked a little bit. I'm not going to be a super spiritual person here this morning. My faith gets rocked. And if you'll be honest, your faith will get rocked sometimes. And a lot of times it's maybe the external world that comes crashing down on you. And you don't know which way to turn. You don't know which way to go. You get down on your knees. You pray. You get in the word of God. You do. But there's just something constantly there rocking your world. This is where John was at. See, I know there's... In a minute, I'll hit on that. But I know there's two different views on this scripture of why John sent his disciples. One view is that John's faith was getting a little shaken. Another view is he wanted his disciples to go and hear Jesus say it himself. 
I say it was both. And I say we can see it in the scripture. I say both the disciples that went to Jesus and John the Baptist himself got help in this instance. First of all, I want you to see, he sent them and asked, are you the one or should we look for another? I want to say that blew my mind. That blew my mind. This is John the Baptist we're talking about. The very first instance that we see John the Baptist, he is in a womb. He is in Elizabeth's womb. And Mary comes in the presence over in Luke chapter 1. And the Bible says the babe leaped in Elizabeth's womb because the Holy Ghost had come upon him in the womb. And that right there is a, 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 something against abortion. He was alive in the womb. I'll just throw that in there. So John the Baptist was the first to recognize who Jesus was before he was ever even born. Just think about that. The first to recognize Jesus before he was ever even born. And then we see John out there. He's baptizing one day. Over in Mark chapter 1. And Jesus walks up. What does he say? Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He recognized who Jesus was. And if that wasn't enough, he was baptizing. And here comes the Holy Spirit down like a dove resting on Jesus. And he heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. If anybody knew who Jesus was, it had to be John the Baptist. The Holy Ghost was upon him in the womb. He got to see the Holy Ghost come upon him in the form of a dove. And he got to hear the Father himself say, that's the one. That's my son. And if that wasn't proof enough, what more proof can you get? If I heard a voice from heaven saying, this is him. I think I'm going to figure that one out pretty quick. But what happened with John? His external world. His circumstances got to weighing down on him. He was in the lowest part of his life. Don't you ever think that you can't get so low that you start doubting God. Don't you ever think, because guess what? The devil will prove you wrong. The devil will prove you wrong. You say, but for the grace of God, I will never. But you know what? John, who had seen all this, sent his messengers. Are you the one? Or should I look for another? I'm facing a chopping block here. Have you forgot about me? Was everything I did in vain? A lot of times in our ministries, that's what we'll think. Everything I've worked for, was it in vain? We see the world crumbling around us. Our external world start crumbling around us. And we say, was it in vain? I want to be honest how God works. I was even... God can even use lost sinners, let's just say that, to get his point across. Because I was in training uh, uh, the week before last. And you, know, wanna know, you wanna know what they said? They made this statement. They said, too many times we just try to find our happiness in the external world. This was secular people talking. They say, too many times we say, like for children, I've gotta get good grades. And if I get good grades, I will be happy. But the thing is, the goalpost always moves. You get good grades, you want better grades. If I can just get that job, that'll be, that will make me happy. If I can just get that promotion or if I can get that raise, that will be what makes me happy. But you get that. And then the goalpost moves. 
There's always a better job to get. There's always more to want. And if you let the external define your happiness, you're always going to be unhappy. It's not. And even they said in the secular world, you've got to choose to be happy. You've got to make the choice today. I'm going to be happy. And they said all the successes will start coming. I said, y'all are that close to the truth. If y'all were that close, if y'all just knew it's on the inside by the Lord Jesus Christ, then you would know true happiness. But John the Baptist, he was in a depression. And depression's real, people. You will fight it. And if you let everything going on in the world, you'll get depressed. But let's see what he says. How do I know that this was for both the disciples and for John? Because if you go over to Luke's account, he said he started doing miracles in their presence. So those disciples actually got to see the hand of God working. Oh, wow, this is the one. But what does he say next? After he shows them, he says, now go show John all those things which you do hear and see. So he sent a message. I know you're back out there and you, you may be wondering, guess what? It's still working. And I want to say, good old-fashioned preaching is still going to work. Good old-fashioned singing is still going to work. Just because you may not see the immediate effects, right there is one that, that is an effect. She just got saved this morning. And that was from years of bringing her up. That was from years of sitting here, Brother John preach and these other great men preach. That was years of hearing teaching and singing. And then we see the effect. Just because you don't see an immediate effect... Don't mean there ain't an effect. But here's what happens with, with Jesus. He says, I want you to notice this. Get into this right here. He says, the blind receive the sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. Notice everything he just said at that point dealt with the external. Everything he said with that point Dealt with the physical. He said, all these are happening. The blind are seeing. The lame are walking. The lepers are being healed. But then, he says, it ain't just about the external. He says, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Here's something I want to show you about this. Because over in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, John may have thought, well, my message fell on deaf ears. My message didn't resonate with anybody. I'm here sitting in a prison and nobody cares. What does he say? In Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is that he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness... Prepare ye the way of the Lord to make his path straight. He fulfilled his calling. And we'll see that in a minute. But what was his message? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He may have thought, well, my message didn't resonate with anybody. Oh, but wait. But wait. Because if you go to Matthew chapter 4, the very next chapter in verse 17, what does it say about Jesus? 
From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus picked up the same message that John was preaching. John was preaching a message of repentance. And when he got thrown in jail, guess what? Jesus says, okay, I'll pick up the message. You know what? I'm going to start preaching repentance. And you know what? That's the same way with us. We may think it ain't, it ain't, it's falling on deaf ears. But guess what? You're training somebody. You're training somebody. And they're going to pick up the message. The gospel is going to keep going on. Keep going on. Don't let your situation define your happiness. Even Paul himself says, I, uh, I know how it is to be abased and to abound. He says, not that I speak in respect of all, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul says, I know what it's like to be on the top. I know what it's like to be on the bottom. He was the one that had the authority to go and drag people and throw them in prison and even have them killed. But he was also the one that was on the receiving end of those stones when he was stoned out in the street. He knows I know, I know in both positions. He says, but wherever God has me, I'm just going to choose to be happy in him. These, these situations ain't going to define my happiness. I'm going to be content where God has me right now. And you know what else he says? He says, blessed is he whosoever is not offended in me. The gospel's still going. The gospel's still being preached. And the gospel is still changing lives. Don't let this world and your surroundings bring you down. Because God is still on the throne. God has still got the power over everything. And I know this is a simple message. And I ain't giving you nothing deep that you didn't already know. But sometimes we need to keep it simple. And sometimes we need a reminding. Because sometimes we forget. I forgot. And I needed a reminding. And it's sad that it took that. But I needed it. It says in verse 7, And they departed. Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John. Now, notice, a lot of times we think, I messed up and I doubted God. He must be so disappointed in me. I must have hurt him so bad. He probably don't want anything to do with me anymore. But you know what he said to John? He didn't say, how dare that John send those disciples to question who I am. He didn't say, how dare those disciples even question who I am. No. He went to bragging on John. Sometimes in our lowest points, we need to just be told. You know what? You may have messed up, but God still loves you and he still cares. You ain't too far for God. And even though you may get low sometimes, he's still there. Because he's the one that said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's the one that said, I'll go with you to the ends of the earth. He's the one that says, I'm right here. And he says, what would you out to see in the wilderness? A reed shaking with the wind? See, those reeds would grow up on that Jordan bank. So they knew what they were talking about. That was like a metaphor so they could understand. We do not, as men of God and women of God in our, in our Christian world, we don't need to be shaken by every wind of doctrine that comes along. We need to stand firm that Jesus is the only way. That Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus is our Savior. That is uncompromisable. 
And when this world tries to teach a different doctrine of inclusiveness, don't get me wrong, I, I believe we need to give the message out of love, but we don't compromise the message. See, because people will take offense when you preach repentance. See, we want this easy believe salvation. And that's a big thing going on in our churches. Repeat this prayer after me and you'll, everything will be okay. But you better have a repentant heart. You better have a repentant heart. John the Baptist preached it. John, uh, Jesus himself preached repentance. Oh yeah, he said he that was out sin cast the first stone at that woman caught in adultery. But by the end, he was telling the woman, go and sin no more. See, we want a salvation that gives us freedom to sin. No, we have a salvation freedom from sin. He does not give us freedom to sin. He gives us freedom from sin. And that's what this salvation is. And any other doctrine is basically easy believism. Oh, it ain't my good works. Don't get me wrong. My good works will get me nowhere. It's Christ and Christ alone. I still love it how Brother Ben Tanner taught it in, uh, back in Bible school. It's Christ and nothing else. But when something as big as Christ gets inside of you, there's going to be something that shines out. You can't keep him hid. And then... He says, but what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, more than a prophet. See, John completed his ministry. What's your ministry today? They weren't even talking uh, this morning in Sunday school about having a jeep ministry. <laughs> hey. If you can reach people, I'm all for it. What's your ministry? John had a ministry. Well, I don't have a ministry. Wait a minute. Do you have friends at work? You have friends at school? You have a ministry. You're going to reach people that I can never reach. I know we've heard that said time and time again, but we need reminding. We will remember. Now, what does he say here? He says, for this is he of whom it is written, behold, I will send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. Now I'm going to get down to this and I'm not going to get long winded, but I just got to show you some stuff right here at the end. It says, uh, verily I say unto you, among them that is born of women, there is none risen greater than John the Baptist. Get that. You think if we doubt God, he's ready to throw us away. Now, John the Baptist slipped into that hole. But Jesus himself says, he that's born of women, there's none greater than John. And this happened right after he questioned. Just think about that. So when we think God is ready up, up there with a lightning bolt, ready to strike us every time we mess up, no. He's our father. How would you treat your child if they mess up? He says... Notwithstanding, he that is the least of the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and is taken, and the violent take it by force. See, this is nothing new, what we're witnessing in our culture. Nothing new. We think they're coming down on the church, and it may get to a point where, Brother Titus, we get to preaching, and they come in and drag us out of the pulpit and take us straight to jail. But like John the Baptist, he was in jail. We can't compromise the word. 
We can't compromise our preaching. And I don't care if this is on live stream. Sin is still sin. And I don't care what it is. And I'm not preaching from a judgmental. See, a lot of people think this. If you call out sin as a preacher, you're judging people. Baloney. Baloney. And I'll prove that. There was two people in our Bible that was taken to Jesus because of their sin. One of them was the woman caught in adultery. Their intentions was, let's destroy this woman. Let's get Jesus and destroy this woman. But there was four guys that picked up a bed. Went to Jesus, ripped off the roof, dropped them in. What did Jesus say? Thy sins be forgiven thee. They cared enough about that man's sins to get him to Jesus. What's your attitude is when you're calling it out. Are you trying to destroy that person or are you trying to get them to Jesus? Because if those four gentlemen would have left that man in his sin, he would have been still in the palsy. It's just as cruel to let people continue in their sin as it is to go on the other side and pick up stones. You've got to have the right attitude when you call out sin. Uh, maybe that person thinks so much of you that you're worth saving. Before you say, he who is out sin casts a first stone. By the way, that's probably, in my opinion, the second most abused scripture in the Bible. First being, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. But that's another, that's another one. But they always say, if... You call out sin, you're judging. Not so. You may care enough about that person. You may see so much potential in that person that I want something better for them. And to just keep your mouth shut and to condone that sin is just as bad as picking up a stone and trying. Because either way, they're getting destroyed. It's the attitude behind the calling. Another thing. It says... And all the prophets, and all the law prophesied unto John. And get what he says right here in verse 14, if you will receive it. You always say that when you're about to tell somebody something new. Because everything you said that's generally accepted, okay, you just say it. But when you say, if you will receive it, this is a new concept to them. If you will receive it. He says, if you will receive it. This is Elias, which was for to come. I think that's very amazing, Brother John. Because over in John, chapter 1, verse 21, it says, and they ask him, what, and this is talking to John the Baptist, what then, art thou Elias? He said, I am not. But I thought Jesus just said he was Elias, which was for to come. John the Baptist says, I'm not Elias. Let me show you something about this. And he saith, I am not. Are thou that prophet? And he answered, no. Then said they unto him, who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As said the prophet Isaiah. Now I want you to understand something. Not everybody's going to understand your ministry. See, they thought... When they, uh, the Bible predicted Elijah was coming back, Elias, they thought it was going to be the physical, the literal Elijah. But if you go over to Luke chapter 1, he actually said of John the Baptist, he's going to have the spirit of Elias upon him. 
And see, even John the Baptist says, I'm not that Elijah. I'm not him. But you want to know what? I'm the one that's supposed to be prepared, uh, make straight the way of the Lord. He kind of understood his ministry. But Jesus was using him so much greater. Jesus took it a step further. Jesus says, this is the guy. This is the guy. And finally, I, want to, I just want to wrap it up with this. This is something that just popped out on the pages. We're talking about rest assured. In this same uh, John chapter 1, at the beginning, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And it says, All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. I want to show you. We're talking about rest assured this morning. How many remember that song? He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. He created everything. He's got the whole world in his hands. And I want you to notice something. When he stepped out and he created everything, God is just a master artist. And we know, I seen this the other day and I about had a shouting fit. Jessica was actually teaching Sunday school class and I was helping her with the little kids. So she got into our part where she was intermingling. So I just pulled out my Bible, started reading. And I about had a shouting fit right in the middle of Sunday school. What happened? Day one, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he separated the light from the darkness. Notice when a, uh, when a painter or an artist, they set the backdrop first. That backdrop of light and darkness was created. Day two, what does it say? He separated the firmament, the waters from above and the waters beneath. He set the backdrop. Day three, he set another backdrop. He said the dry land's going to appear and all the herbs and all the uh, trees and all that's going to appear. The backdrop has been set. Day four, we come back to the backdrop of day one. What does he do where light and darkness was? I'm going to throw the sun. I'm going to throw the moon. I'm going to throw the stars. I'm going to make a beautiful picture right here for you. And then I'm going to go back to day three, uh, day two. Oh, where the firmament was uh, created. Oh, let's put the birds in the sky. Let's put the fish in the sea where the waters were divided. I'm going to fill this picture in now. And then he goes to day three. Day three. Oh, I had the dry land here. There's nothing on it. Let's start making the cattle come forth. Let's start filling this picture up too. Let's just make a beautiful picture right here. And then he says, all that was good. And you want to know how much he thinks of you? Every time he says, and God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. But after he created man, he saw that it was very good. He says, my picture has now been created. He loves you so much that he died for you. He thinks so much of you. He thinks you are a masterpiece. No matter what the world says, no matter what your circumstances say, you are a masterpiece in the sight of God. The question is, we can't stop doubting him. He's just not done with our picture. He's not done with our story. And it... We was talking about how the dead was raised, the lame walk. My dad was at the, on the point. He was on the verge of a ventilator. 
He was on the verge of a ventilator. And we all know what happens when you have COVID and you go on the ventilator. The odds don't look good. He was on, that was his very next step. But people got to praying. And within a matter of 60 hours, he dropped from 60 liters of oxygen down to two. God is still on the throne. God gave him a space of grace. And if that space of grace, God says, I'm not done with your story. God's not done with your story this morning. You are still here with breath in your lungs. You are still here. You can raise your holy hands to God. You still have a purpose. Brother John, I believe you need to be coming around and uh, the musicians. I really feel like God has said, that's enough. The question is, has the circumstances told you that it's not worth it? Has your world told you you might as well give up? If it can happen to John the Baptist, and I have two John the Baptists here, by the way. If it can happen to John the Baptist, being born of woman, there's no greater. It can happen to you as well. But the question is, I will give John credit right here, Brother Titus. He knew where to run. He didn't let the doubts continue to filter in his mind. Who told you, Brother Nathan? Who told thee? Who told thee all this? Well, Jesus told me all this was happening, Brother John. Jesus told me that all this is happening. Guess what? You may have been told a lot of lies by the world this morning. But Jesus says, I've not finished your masterpiece, Brother John. He's not done with you. He's not done. He won't be done. It's not over till he says it's over. And I'm so thankful to be a part of God's master plan. Why don't we find ourselves across these altars this morning? I'm going to be honest with you. He, he opened up with this thing about doubt. I have struggled with that through my Christian walk. I've doubted, is he the one? I've doubted, has he really got the power enough to change it? I've doubted. But thank God I have found out. <laughs> I've got evidence that he is the one. That he does have the power. You may be struggling this morning with something deep down in your spirit. And you just need God to settle it for you this morning. Let's find ourselves across these altars and asking God to settle some things this morning. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let God be God. Let the Lord be the Lord of your situation. Let Him be the Lord of your marriage. Let Him be the Lord of your workplace. Let Him be the Lord of your family. Let Him be the Lord. Just let God be God and everything will work out just like it's supposed to be. God knows what He's doing. He knows how to handle your situation. He knows how to handle it.
and will we first begun amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> he sure made a difference in my life. I was, was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Help me sing on that last stanza. When we. Are 